is series number two of How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom, the podcast, and we are on episode number four. I am looking forward to chatting to today's expert about a topic that is ever popular and sure to give you plenty of food for thought if you are thinking about renovating your kitchen. I am Lindsay Blair, editor of Kitchens, Bedrooms and Bathrooms magazine and its sister website, these3rooms.com and your host. So welcome back. If you haven't already listened to the podcast, I do encourage you to go back and listen to all of the episodes I've done so far in this series and in series one. There is so much to get stuck into. So far this series, I have looked at choosing paint, kitchen lighting and how to make your bathroom easier to clean, which was full of great tips that I am definitely taking on board. But today we are talking kitchens and how to make your kitchen bigger without, this is the key bit, without extending. Boosting space by building a kitchen extension is the most popular renovation project and I'd say a large proportion of the homes featured in the magazine or the queries we get from readers as well as podcast listeners of course are to do with extending but first of all it isn't always possible is it? For example if you are thinking about extending or you've looked into extending there might have been possible issues that mean that you can't actually do this kind of project for example there may be planning restrictions simply not enough space to be able to extend without encroaching too much onto the garden or into the neighbouring boundaries or you might just not have the budget. So today I am asking how can you make your kitchen bigger without extending? Let's find out. Here with me to weigh up the options is Annie Evanston, who is the lead designer at architecture and design company Blake's London. So hello down the line. Hi, Annie. How are you? Hi, Lindsay. I'm very good. Thank you. So lovely to chat to you. Yeah, well, it's going to be a great chat and I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to hear what you've got to say. So I guess, first of all, I'm assuming that many of the projects you work on are in fact homes where some sort of extension is happening. Am I right? Yeah, I would say definitely that's true. So at Blake's, we are very lucky with the spaces we get to work in. And I see some really amazing plans, uh, which are often extensions, but, you know, also redesigning the use of existing spaces too, for sure. So uh, realistically, I'd say something about 70% of our clients uh, we work with have you know, some sort of building or structural work done in their homes. Uh, And we do work alongside architects a lot too, you know, mainly because at Blake's we're design-led specialists. So clients come to us for unique designs uh, and that starts with sort of the new spaces that they're creating. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to hearing what tips you've got for people out there who aren't extending. So obviously extensions are an extremely sought after renovation project. And I mentioned in my intro that lots of the readers of the magazine and lots of the podcast listeners ask us about extending. But for the purpose of this episode, I'm going to controversially largely ignore extensions because I want to know about that other 30% of people that you mentioned that are improving their kitchen space by working with what they've got. Now, for argument's sake, to get started, say I'm a homeowner and I am looking around my kitchen, especially after the last two years when we spent so much time in our homes, and I just need more space. I've got some quotes for extending and looked into what's required planning-wise, but it's just not going to be possible because of budget or planning. I might just not want to have the upheaval of 
the construction of doing an extension. But I still want my kitchen to feel bigger and I still want the transformation and I want the refresh. How can I go into a project that's not an extension without feeling like it's a compromise or that I'm going to be disappointed? What do you think? Oh, well, I'm completely with you there. We've recently moved and all the costs that come with that. Uh, we've decided to wait a few years before we even think about looking at an extension. So I completely agree. But, you know, I definitely don't think you'll be disappointed with your space once you've really thought about how you need it to work for you and really cracked those plans. So, you know, sometimes having constraints means you need to be a little bit more creative, but that can actually work out better for you in the long run. So, you know, for instance, I worked with some really great clients recently uh, who were absolutely desperate to have that kind of walk-in pantry in their design, but realistically, the space just wouldn't allow them to have that. So what we ended up doing was creating this really lovely sort of step-in pantry, which was really just a kind of deep cupboard But, you know, that functions much in the same way. And they had their coffee machine in there and a little bread maker. Uh, And we did sort of shallow shelves top to bottom in a U shape. And they absolutely loved it. And it really made a big difference to how they used their kitchen. That sounds great. I mean, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's not the second best option by any stretch of the imagination. If you're not able to extend, you're not able to extend. And if you think creatively and cleverly and work with what you've got, it could work just as well, if not better, to maximise the footprint of what you already have and remodel with some really clever solutions. Yeah, I've also found that, you know, more often than not in a utility room or a little downstairs loo, or there might be even a coat cupboard uh, next to your kitchen, and that could potentially be reworked and incorporated into the space and you somehow get that sort of additional square footage that you didn't otherwise originally have. So you know, like as an interior designer myself, I love creating clever storage where clients can be a bit messy. And then the kind of front of house space, if you like, is easy to keep looking lovely. So, you know, this is particularly important now as we see most kitchen, dining, living spaces have all been opened up. And it's really important if you're working with a smaller space to be able to keep it looking tidy and Uh, I think the best way to do that is to ensure everything has a place when you're looking to redesign it. Yeah, it's funny you should say that because literally this morning, just before we started recording, I got press release from Magnet Kitchens and their um, research has suggested that the search for open plan kitchen ideas is up over 200%. So what you've just said is, you know, people do want that open feeling and they are remodeling, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just the way we all live now, isn't it? It's become, you know, so much the norm to have these spaces that, you know, the whole family's in there together and everything happens in in the one room. Okay, so that's the end goal. And I'm sure lots of people listening to this will think, yes, that's exactly what I want. I want that open space where we can all gather and it's much more flowing and it's much more sociable. But what's the first thing to address? How do you properly look at the space that you've got and work out what you can do with it? So assessing the space is super important. Drawing up the space on squared paper is a good place to start. Or, you know, there's some actually some amazing apps now where you can sketch out your room and drop in furniture so you get a real feel for the circulation. And then you can also move things around easily as well to see different options and see what might work for you. 
So could you do that virtually or am I cutting out little bits of paper to move around kitchen units? How, yeah. how am I doing that? I mean, it depends a little bit on the scale of the work that you want to do, because if you're sort of redesigning um, the kitchen in the space that you're at, I'd actually really recommend taping things out on the floor or even sort of creating things with boxes to get a real feel in the space. Because, you know, there's nothing better than actually seeing it in reality in the space that you're working with. Okay, so you could get actually quite crafty with this. Use some cardboard boxes or masking tape to, you know, actually place where your, say, an island or even a sofa might go in an open plan space. Exactly, or a dining table. That's also really useful to see, just particularly with circulation, just making sure there's enough room to pass when chairs are being pulled out or bar stools at the island. Do you actually have enough room for them? These are all things you really need to consider. That's a really good tip. So you can really visualise it that way. What about a lot of properties in this country have airing cupboards or utility areas or garages attached or conservatories even or just awkwardly placed cupboards? I imagine those are some of the more common culprits that you come across. How can you utilise those best to make your kitchen bigger? So I think if you're hoping to create the multiple use space, so if it's at the moment, it's just a kitchen, but what you're looking for is really a kind of kitchen dining with potentially a living space in it as well. Sometimes those sort of odd shaped nooks can actually form some really lovely dining spaces, like maybe you use a banquette or some bench seating and you create a dining space in the slightly more difficult space to use. When a homeowner is assessing their space and, you know, they're thinking about making the kitchen bigger, maybe going more open plan or adding a dining area into the space, where could they possibly gain that extra space? But in actual fact, that space has already always been there. I think, you know, just having the flow is is really important between your kind of kitchen and your dining space and not kind of compromising too much on both so that you end up having two smaller things when you should just have one bigger thing. That's the key to kind of avoid. The other option that I hear often is knocking through. Obviously, that's more structural and that's going to take, you know, a little bit more budget, a little bit more thought and more people involved, you know, structural engineers and builders to make sure it's all viable. Um, But knocking through, say if you've got a separate kitchen, a separate dining room, separate living room, you could actually amalgamate all of those spaces couldn't you yeah so you know the main benefit of that is of course sort of more space to work with um like if you have internal stud walls that are enclosing the room and restricting what you can do it might be fairly inexpensive to get rid of them uh so this will likely increase the design options available which would be great um kind of goes back a little bit to what i was saying earlier about the utility or coat cupboard spaces that you could incorporate into your design try and clear your whole floor space and think a little bit outside the box Yeah. So when we go back to, you know, drawing things out on paper or even taping things out, rather than just focusing on the kitchen itself, like you say, think outside the box, what's next to that room? You know, what's the what's the hallway like? What's the dining room like? And, you know, you could open it all up, couldn't you? And have real benefits of that open plan layout without actually extending. That's completely right. You know, I'd say I've definitely seen a growth of clients who who want to move their kitchen into the more prominent rooms in their home. So, you know, for instance, in a traditional Victorian terrace, let's say uh, they might move it from a small room in the back of the house and into that main living area and then combine it either with a dining room or even a dining and living room. And then you create that big open sociable space. 
one of the things that's one of the projects that I've seen an increase in, like you say, and we've certainly featured a few case studies online on these three rooms.com where the homeowners have done this is swapping the placement of the kitchen, as you've just said, which I think seems quite drastic, actually, doesn't it? Because, you know, it seems like a, a sensible thing to do to keep the kitchen in the same place because of the plumbing and the electric, etc. But it's not it's not an option that should be ignored. Absolutely not. Blake's ethos uh, always involves creating a space that feels, you know, less like a kitchen and much more like a living space with sort of beautiful furniture in it. Um, you know, we've done some really successful projects where the kitchen's been moved into that main body of the house. Um, you know, like recently we did one in Camberwell and the kitchen was positioned in the sort of main front room of this beautiful old home. Uh, and it had this magnificent sort of original Georgian fireplace in it. And it made the kitchen feel completely unique and like nothing we'd seen before. And just going back to knocking through, obviously, there's lots of benefits of creating that open plan space. But are there any drawbacks that we should be aware of? Uh, good point. So, you know, I much prefer open plan living, but it's definitely not for everyone. So, you know, noise, smells, privacy all become a bit of a problem when you don't have that kind of closed off space. So it's definitely a lifestyle choice. And if you haven't, you know, lived in an open plan space before, then I don't know, maybe you could test drive it uh, at a cool Airbnb or something for a weekend. Working a trip to your project plan, that sounds like a good idea. (laughs) I think I'm done with that if I was taking on a big renovation. Sure. now, if if I if the draw if I've say gone to the Airbnb and I realise actually this isn't going to work for me the you know we're all working from home more we need that degree of separation actually having the kitchen separate is actually better for the way that I live and that you know that could be the case for lots of people how can you rework the kitchen layout to have good results in terms of making it feel fresh and feel bigger. I'd uh, also start with a completely blank canvas. So, you know, if you're keeping your kitchen in the space that it is at the moment, I would try and sort of ignore what's there if you can. And then what I do is is list out the appliance wish list, so your new list of appliances that you're really keen to have. And then I'd start plotting these out on the floor plan as they kind of dictate the space the most. So if you get the position of these right, you really increase the usability of your kitchen and also I think probably the joy using it as well Uh, it makes it much more user-friendly then normally I find after these sort of key players are in then everything else becomes quite clear. I'm curious you know if you when you go into a kitchen and you're working with a client who does want to remodel the kitchen without doing anything else drastic in terms of construction what are you looking at what are the sort of the common four pars if you like that are right that has to go because that's taking up too much space or that really isn't maximizing the use of this area are there any sort of common themes when you when you go to assess a space yourself it's a good question so personally for me I think putting cabinets on every inch of the wall to kind of compensate for a lack of space uh, often sort of boxes in the room and makes it feel quite busy So I would say less is more for me. Things like corner cabinets don't work terribly well. So I would try and stick to kind of linear designs if your space allows. So, you know, for an example, a long run with an island or even a peninsula, uh, which is where the island is attached to a wall on one side, would be my preference over something like a U-shaped kitchen. And then the other major player that I think often gets forgotten about is really good lighting. 
So you want both task lighting for cooking, but also ambient lighting for eating and when you're kind of chilling in the space. So clever lighting solutions under wall cabinets can really, you know, it can really brighten up the room and it makes it feel much bigger and more welcoming. And you don't have to have the sort of big overhead lights on all the time. So equally, some lovely pendants or some beautiful wall lights can give a room a really warm and relaxing feel. So if you have those two elements, your task lighting and your pendant lights on different circuits, it's a great way if you're working in a smaller space to kind of change the feel of the room. So if you've got guests over and you want to change your kitchen into kind of more of an entertaining space, it'll easily sort of change the feel of the room by changing the lights that are on. Yeah, I mean, light can have such a big impact on, as you say, how a space feels, but also how big it feels. And you could trick the eye into into thinking that you have actually quote unquote, extended your kitchen without actually extending it. And does that extend, does that go to glazing as well? You know, can you add windows? Is that a good thing to do? Oh, it's a brilliant thing to do. I think if you have the ability to sort of open up and increase the amount of glass and the outlook of your kitchen, it will be uh, amazing how big, how much bigger it feels. Yeah, I'm guessing that is great. Say if your kitchen is in, I'm thinking of a traditional Victorian terrace here where there's sort of a a side return and a a flat roofed kitchen where you haven't got any room upstairs from the kitchen. You could potentially add a skylight in there. And yes, that is some degree of of structural work, but that could really make it feel much bigger, couldn't it? It would for sure. Flooding the kitchen with natural light in the day is one way to really increase how you want to be, how you want to spend time in it and and how it feels when you're in there. Um, I guess you just better be conscious, uh, particularly it's in the ceiling. It's just to make sure your actual lighting at night isn't affected. Great tip. So you obviously need to have that artificial light as well. You do. And equally, you know, if you've got the ability to change to some really big, beautiful sliding doors or, you know, a big kind of glass panel door on the back of the room, uh, it looks brilliant in the day. But just also remember at night that does turn into a big black sheet. So you need to make sure that you've got some really beautiful, clever lighting, perhaps even out in the garden so that you don't get the reflection at nighttime. Yeah, that can be quite creepy, can't it? It a sheet of black glass and you're thinking oh my god is someone out there yeah. or it turns into a mirror which is even worse yeah and you, you actually think oh my god there's someone out there and actually it's you yeah. <laughs> now we've talked a lot about a lot of the different ways we can make a kitchen feel bigger without extending is there anything in your experience as a designer that we've missed There are a few design techniques that you can use. So, for instance, if you've got a kitchen dining space, uh, you could think about having some benches or a nice upholstered banquette instead of dining chairs. Uh, So this reduces the amount of space you need around the dining table and then perhaps opens up a few more options in terms of increasing the size of your kitchen as a result of this. So, you know, the technique is particularly useful if you have a narrow width room and you hope to get both an island and a dining table down the length of the room or perhaps sort of going back to what I was saying earlier about odd shaped spaces if you have somewhere like a nook you can create a nice kind of dining niche and that will give you the eating kitchen that perhaps you've been searching for. That sounds great. I love the idea of the bonquet and I know it's such a popular project right now. And it's just a great way of making use of every single inch of space, particularly if you are not blessed with a massive kitchen. For sure, for sure. It really does save, I would say, you know, a good foot and a half worth of space. Uh, and I think it has the added bonus as well. If you were to kind of upholster it nicely is 
kind of serving as that sofa. So a lot of the a lot of the time I speak to clients who are really keen to get that sort of really comfy seating space in the kitchen. But realistically, it's just not big enough for both the dining table and a sofa, as well as your kitchen already being there. So, you know, if you go for a comfy upholstered bench, you then um, have somewhere that it's easy to sit at for a long time and, and you can sort of relax in the kitchen and it's not as uh, upright as a dining chair. Yeah, an extra bonus, put some storage in the seat. For sure. Nice big stretch of drawers underneath would be really helpful. Now, what's your favourite way of boosting space without extending? Do you have a favourite? Oh, a favourite way? Well, it's got to be the lighting for me because it's just such a simple way and really easy. And you wouldn't even need to necessarily change your kitchen. <laughs> you could just think of sort of really clever ways of doing it in the, in the space that you have already. And it will make such a massive difference. Yeah, sometimes the smallest things can make the biggest impact, can't they? Which brings me nicely on to cost, because obviously the smaller things tend to cost less. But one of the reasons that someone might not extend is because of the budget. You know, an extension project is a significant cost. So is it usually the case that remodeling or doing some of the things that we've mentioned today is cheaper than extending? Or is that a false assumption? I'm mainly thinking about things like knocking through or swapping the around into a different room is it a false economy to think that that is going to be more affordable or is it probably going to be around about the same so generally speaking uh, a cosmetic refurb that doesn't involve an extension will cost less uh, as it doesn't involve the kind of structural work necessarily um, that you're working with and you're working inside the existing fabric of the building um, although sometimes, you know, trying to work with what you have does compromise, you know, both the function and the design and end up costing you more. So the trick is to be really clear what you must have in your own kitchen, because everyone has slightly different priorities and needs. Um, and I think it's also worth thinking about the value that you may add to your house by extending, because it may offset the costs of that extension. Yeah, I mean, controversially, sometimes you might look at a remodel project without extending and it might not be the right option for your property. I mean, sometimes you might have to admit defeat and potentially if the budget is the issue, wait a few years and save up a little bit more to get the benefit of the the project as it would best benefit you as the way that you live in the house as well as the property. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, always make sure you get professional advice to optimize, you know, any refurb or extension. Um, So you'll need to, you know, you need help sort of setting a realistic budget. And then it's crucial to get all the items costed up front as well. So, you know, if you can't comfortably cover the budget and, you know, I would include a sort of sensible contingency of about, you know, 25 percent, let's say, then it probably is time to hit the brakes and wait a few years and, and do it when you can. Yeah, I mean, working with experts is key, isn't it? Because, you know, that could be the architect, the builder, the structural engineer, and of course, the kitchen designer, because they all bring different skills to the set. I always call it sort of the dream team of an ex- of any project, whether that's an extension or a remodel. Assemble that dream team at the start and, and you're laughing really, aren't you, for the rest of the way. Even if that does mean you do have to wait a little bit longer to to get the project of your dreams done. Absolutely. So what would you say to anyone who is listening, who is weighing up the options between remodeling their kitchen and doing a potential extension? What would you say to to them? 
So I would say to carefully consider and cost up both options, so of extending and not, uh, and really think about how long you plan to live in your home, which is also a really important consideration. So, you know, once you assess the space you've already got, uh, like we've talked about already, it might actually be enough. You know, have you thought about where it's going to move to? Uh, or if it's possible to move it, um, you know, and a kitchen designer will happily sit down and look at your floor plans in their entirety and suggest a few options. You know, there might be a few things that might work. So there's lots of clever design solutions out there and, it ho- you know, they will fix a whole host of problems. I think it's really important to emphasize just because you are having appointments with architects or kitchen designers or designers like yourself doesn't mean that you have that's committing isn't it of course you know it's it's great if a project does follow through but doing that initial research and just scoping out the ideas is a really good place to start even if you think it might take you another year or two to get going absolutely I really love it when I have you know new clients come and pick my brains and we can you know work on a particularly sort of challenging project together we do get a lot of satisfaction out of that too and sometimes when you have to give it a lot more thought you do end up with a better result because it's not just being an easy easy thing to plot on Well, that's great, Annie. Thank you so much. I end every episode with the same question and I'm going to pose it to you. So what is your golden rule for good kitchen design? Good question. So my rule is to never rush and always give yourself enough time to explore options. So for me, a good kitchen should last years, if not decades. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Annie. It's been great to have you on the podcast. We're going to have to leave it here, although I think we could talk about each individual way of improving a kitchen without extending for some time, but we'll have to get together another time and do a whole other episode. So much great advice in there. So thank you for taking the time to share your expertise. And if anyone does have any questions, don't forget you can get in touch. Thank you again, Annie. Thank you. Some really great ideas from Annie in there, including a gentle reminder that remodelling a kitchen to make it feel bigger could actually be a small change, such as changing up the seating, making more of an awkward or underutilised cupboard, or reworking the lighting. I love that she mentioned those. It doesn't always have to be full-on construction renovation project. But of course, we chatted about larger projects too, such as knocking through or swapping to the location of the kitchen itself to have it in a better position for better flow. And as Annie said, if you are thinking about doing anything like this, always consult an expert and take your time to make sure that it is the right option for you. Patience really is a virtue when it comes to renovating. As always, thank you for listening to this episode of How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom. I've been Lindsay Blair and I will be back next week with more kitchen and bathroom chats, so do join me again. As I said, if you do have any questions and want to get in touch, you can email me on hello at these3rooms.com and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It all really helps and I love reading your feedback. Join me next week for more of how to buy a kitchen or bathroom, the podcast.